you and I are to survive the storms in our lives, we first need to have a solid revelation of who God is. Amen? Number one, I remember, some of you guys know mine and Katie's story. John, John's right. I don't know how. Um, it was just Jesus that she said yes to me for sure. Um, but we both at separate times heard the Spirit of the Lord speak to us that this was his will for our lives. Katie, the Spirit of God told Katie, this is the hottest guy you've ever seen in your life. And you want to grab that, right? No, that's not what she said. he said. Um, he actually just said, hey, this is my perfect will for your life. And it was an impossible situation. She left for England like a week or two later. I was a guy, so normally we're clueless. I had no clue. Um, and it was, it was an impossible situation, if you know more of the details, for sure. Um, I went over months later with Pat and Terry and John, I believe, and we went to England and um, led worship for a conference that Pat was speaking at, and um, I, man, England's a long way, you know, and I was scared of flying for sure, so I took a couple sleeping pills and was thinking, cool, I got to be up in the morning to teach a songwriting course, and so I need to be refreshed, and I couldn't sleep, right, and it's probably just how God wired me, <laughs> I just don't sleep, and um, so I was just wired and ready to go, finally, about an hour before we touched down, I just, I was like, God, why am I so excited to meet, to like spend time with Katie. God, I've made so many mistakes in my life. God, I don't want, I don't want any feelings for her at all, Jesus. No excitement, nothing, unless she's to be my wife. So just, I just want to be married to you, Jesus. And the second I got off the plane, I heard the Lord say, this is the wife I've given to you, cherish her. And I was like, sign me up, right? <laughs> Dude. But I was like, God, you got to speak to her, right? You got to make this happen because this is not... I don't know, you know, this is, she's a PK, Pat's, well, thank God he's not that big of a guy, but he's like, it's, this could be bad, right, you got to speak to her. So, long story short, me and Katie were shooting a wedding in Kauai this last year, and so we went a week early and got to just spend some time together, and we were joking and just talking and reflecting on the fact that when we first got married, we like, we knew nothing about each other, nothing. I don't know if she would have kept me if she would have known all the stuff, you know, like, but she, <laughs> there's so many stories. But um, she knew nothing. But what we did to, to, to shorten this up is the one thing that we did know is that I knew that she was passionately in love with Jesus first and foremost more than anything. That she had a prayer, like relationship, intimacy with God that I had longed for and always wanted for in a wife. And she knew, I hope, that I love Jesus as well. You know, I sang a little bit good at the time, you know. And so she knew that I love Jesus, but at the end of the day, me and her both had a revelation from God. And so it's been almost 13 years, and I love her more than ever, right? Like, she is my best friend, and I know that sounds lame to some of you, but I, I literally would prefer to do anything with her. Like, even if it's nothing. Like, I, I prefer to be with my wife. I love her so much. She's my best friend. We we share everything. I trust her. I tell her everything. So many of my friends are like, why do you tell your wife that? I'm like, dude, I just, why wouldn't I tell her? I, she knows everything, everything, like, you know. Um, but my point in saying that is you guys know that are married. Marriage is not easy. 
And we've gone through storms and storms and storms in our marriage, but we've always come back, no matter how hard they've been, to the revelation that God gave both of us, that this was his will, that we were called to be together, not just to be in love with one another, but to go and to pursue him and to plant and build his kingdom together. That has always been the revelation, amen? So I want to encourage you guys. Paul's telling the men, he's saying, hey, no matter how gnarly this looks and how crazy it feels like we have no hope I just want to encourage you guys to have courage right if you and I are going to survive the storms in our lives we have to have a revelation of who God is in our lives otherwise everything around us is going to shape that and I'm telling you it's going to fall unless it's built on God's word amen here we go we're going to keep reading if you guys go to chapter 28 so they shipwreck just like Paul said right 28, starting in verse 1, it says, Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders show us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. Didn't just nibble at him, right? It fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. Amen. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Yeah, right? You got to feel for Paul, right? Finally, right when it looks like he's going to survive the storm, he lands on this little bitty island where he didn't want to be, an unfamiliar place with unfamiliar people with an unfamiliar language. And as a good Christian boy, as they're setting up the fire because it's raining and cold, he picks up firewood to help and serve and he gets bit by a venomous snake. How many of you guys can relate? Right? Man, you just survived one storm, and all of a sudden you feel like there's hope, and I'm almost out of it. And all of a sudden, something else happens. I don't know about you, but that always happens to me. Always. I think recently, we were saving up for like, doing like Dave Ramsey's like emergency fund deal, and so we save up for like six months, and there's a couple thousand bucks in the bank, and we're like, yes, we did that. And all of a sudden, like the morning that we were like, man, I'm so stoked. Look, we have a little bit in there, you know, savings. All of a sudden, I go to turn on my car, and the check engine light comes on, right? And I'm like, why? Every time I'm going to freaking ride a bike, you know? Um, you know? But how many of you guys can relate to that? It's true, Right? You go through storms and hard things in your life and it seems like right when you're about to get through, you're about to survive, something else happens. So how do you survive a storm? With a revelation of God, amen? How do you survive a snake bite? What does it say? What did Paul say? It says that he shook it off, right? It's exactly what he did. People will always, always try to assign a reason to why you're going through what you're going through. Hey, he got bit by a snake. Surely he must be a murderer. Thank God our identities aren't in people. Amen? 
Thank God our identity is in Christ. Right? Verse 5, I want to read that again. It says this, When the islanders saw the snake, verse 4, hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The TSV version, Taylor Swift version. <laughs> play is going to play, 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 play. Hate is going to hate, 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 hate. But I'm just going to shake, 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 shake. Shake it off, shake it off. Right? And that is why I don't sing for a living, right? Um, professionally. <laughs> How do you survive a snake bite? You shake it off. Paul didn't try to defend himself. He didn't try to prove to everybody else that he was a man of God. He didn't try to tell everybody else that he wasn't a murderer. He just shook it off. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, you and I might be living in storms in our lives and all of a sudden we survive and something else comes. And the enemy is trying to rob you and I from our joy and from our victory that is ours in Christ alone. Because they are assigning reasons as why you and I are going through what we're going through and we're believing them. Instead of shaking it off. I remember when I went back and I just think of when I, we moved back to the valley about six years ago now from here. And... I grew up in San Inez Valley, and man, I loved Jesus with all my heart. I still love Jesus with all my heart, but there were a couple years where I definitely rebelled and did my own thing. And I remember leaving that place with like kind of my heart saying, God, I never want to come back here. I never want to face any of this again. And I remember when we moved back, uh, San Inez Valley small, <laughs> right? You go in, you guys have California Fresh here. It's, it's the original name's El Rancho and it's in San Inez across from high school, like you walk in El Rancho, you will see everybody from the dude from my big fat Greek wedding to pink to like everybody you've known from growing up. And so I remember when I got in there, I walked in and I saw somebody from my past that I knew and I like felt everything in me to try and explain what had happened in my life and just like puked all over them words of, man, this is what happened, but God's done so much and I'm just a good guy now and all this kind of stuff and trying to show them. And the late, I never forget it. I never forget learning this truth that God is our defender. She just said, I knew nothing of that. Like, and I'm like, 20 minutes later, dang, you know, I'm like, that was about the other guy. Remember the other guy that we went to school with? You know? And I remember telling her that and I just remember saying, the only thing I remember with you was that you just were so in love with Jesus from a young age. And every time you would sing, I felt like angels just showed up. And I was like, God, like, I remember getting in my car and just bawling. Like, God, you've been my defender. And all these years, I've been holding all of this junk in my heart, thinking that you and everybody else is holding against me. But really, God, I'm forgiven. You've already washed it clean, amen? So I want to encourage you guys. You survive a storm by standing upon a God revelation, right? How do you survive a snake bite? You shake it off, right? Don't allow people to assign reasons of why you're going through what you're going through. Allow God to dictate who you are. Your identity in him is in him alone, not your past. There is no past in Jesus Christ. Amen? Stand on that.
You have to stand firm on the revelation of who God is. You have to stand firm on your identity in Christ. Let me tell you who you are. I always go back to this. So if I've ever spoken before, you probably heard it. But I continually tell myself this when I'm broken and defeated. Who am I in Jesus Christ? You are justified and have peace with God, Romans 5.1. You are free from condemnation, Romans 8. You have been made alive in Christ, Romans 8.11. You are a child of God, Romans 8.16. You are co-heirs with Christ. You are more than conquerors. You are washed and sanctified. You are united with Christ. You are a member of Christ's body. You are established, anointed, and sealed by God. There's more. You are a new creation in Christ, right? You are an ambassador of Christ. You have been redeemed from the curse and the law. You are an heir to the blessing of Abraham. You are a saint and a holy one. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You are accepted. You have been adopted as God's child. You have redemption through his blood. You are the workmanship of God created for good works. You have direct access to God through his spirit. You are redeemed and forgiven. You are hidden with Christ and God. There's so much more. But that's who you and I are. Amen? Has anybody ever been to Malta? Right? Has anybody ever been to that island, that place that you never want to go? We were praying this morning. You want to know what Malta means? It means refuge. How amazing is that? You know that when we're reading this and we're feeling really smart because we're like, man, that's amazing, God. You give us a refuge in our lives when we're in the midst of our storm. Paul landed on an island called Malta. You know they're up there just going, finally. I put that there, right? So you would know, right? Everything is God-breathed. It's amazing, right? Gets, here's where it gets good. That was just all the little stuff. Here we go. Here we go. So it says, verse 5, but Paul shook off the snake, the snake off and into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual to happen to him, they changed their minds, right? That's why we can't put our faith necessarily on our identity and people because they're always going to change their minds, right? God is never changing. Same yesterday, today, and forever. They changed their minds. This murderer, he's now a god. Verse 7. There was an estate nearby and that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. Those 276 prisoners that were with Paul, they're stoked now, right? They're like, dude, I am so glad you were on our boat, bro. So glad, right? We're now kicking it in a mansion with food and feeling good, right? His father was sick. Publius' his father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery, Right? It's close to home. Here we go. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. And when this happened, the rest of the sick on the entire island came and were cured. And they honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies that we needed. Amen? Paul didn't decide to go to Malta. But now that he's there, he has a decision to make. He can either sit there and mope around and say, God, why am I here? I'm supposed to be in Rome before Caesar being your loudspeaker preaching the gospel, God. Why did you send me here? I told these yahoos not to sail to Italy. But they didn't listen. And so we crashed, and now we're on this little itty-bitty island called Malta. And God, I'm just trying to serve you there, and then all of a sudden I get bit by a snake. Why am I here? That was option A. 
But he, he didn't do that. I guarantee you at that moment when Paul got taken into Publius' house and all of a sudden he saw Publius' sick dad over in the corner, wheeled in, he probably said, that's why I'm here. Some of you, and including me in my life, some of us are going through storms and hard things in our lives. And let me tell you, it's not even about you. It's not even about me. God has a bigger plan in mind. And if you and I get stuck trying to figure out the reason, we'll miss the revelation. And those who are waiting to get healed and cured and encouraged and filled up, it will never happen. Because you and I are missing the call on our lives. Don't do it, right? Paul didn't decide to go to Malta, but now that he's there, he has a decision to make. He can either sit and mope and wait till he gets off, or he can turn his mistake into a mission. Open doors in your life will often come through the adversity of the trials that you and I go through. Some of us keep praying for opportunities. God, open doors. But no one wants to fight through the adversity. Romans 5, 3-5 says, But we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not, does not disappoint, because God has poured out His love into our hearts but the, by the Holy Spirit who's given to us. Publius' sad situation became Paul's opportunity. How do you survive a storm? By living with a revelation of who God is. How do you survive a snake bite? You shake it off. You let God be your defender. How do you turn a sad situation around? You turn your misery into a mission. And you let God turn your wreck into a revival. Maybe what you're going through isn't even about you. You might be preparing for a shipwreck, but God might be setting you up for a revival. Amen? Some of you made it through the storm. And it seems like there's one thing after another that's coming against you. But like we said in the beginning, don't get stuck trying to figure out the reason. Forget the reason. Just ask God to give you a revelation. Amen? Go ahead and stand with me, you guys. I'm going to pray, and then John's going to come up. Every single one of you are here for a reason today. And I know it's God's heart. It's not just mine. I know it's God's heart. I know it's the Spirit's heart. That you leave here free from whatever you are carrying that's not yours to carry. Some of you have been going through some hard storms in your life, and I'm not going to stand here and say I understand what you're going through by any means, but I am going to tell you this, to have courage. Because the God who I serve knows you by name. You are his workmanship, his masterpiece, and he prepared long before you were born good works for you to walk in. And he'll never leave you nor forsake you, there's anything that you're carrying, I just want you as we worship just to lay it down at the foot of the cross. Amen? We're singing a song called Reckless Love. It talks about Jesus, our Savior, our Shepherd, leaving the 99 to go to the one.
you might be the one today. We all thought we woke up and came to church, but God set this up for you today. Don't miss out on what God wants to do in your life. Amen? Just lift your hands with me. God, we just bless you. Holy Spirit, we say thank you for all that you are. God, we ask, Holy Spirit, even right now, God, as we worship God, as we stand before you, God, that you pour into us, God, a true revelation of who you are, God, and who we are in you, Jesus, God, that we are your children, that you are faithful, God, that we are forgiven, cleansed, anointed, and called. Just fall in this place, Jesus. Just minister to us right now, Jesus. God, we just love you. We thank you for all that you are. We'll just stay in this place for a moment. We're going to sing that song. Um, the reality is Jesus came a long way for you. The original story here is that God himself humbled himself, put on flesh and bones, made the journey from heaven to earth so that you and I would be rescued. He was the original pioneer, the journeyman who gave up his ride as king and gave up his throne and went on a journey on a ship, if you will, and hit some rough patches. If you haven't read the story, there was a rough patch there. Man, I just feel like I got such a greater revelation this week, and again, it's the dad thing that I'm experiencing. Um, and our, our little Paisley got sick on Monday. She had a really bad fever, so I took her to the pediatrician and um, kind of freaked me out because it only took a few minutes to say, hey, I'm, I'm calling the ER. They, they know you're coming. Can you just take her over to the ER? And so um, it was just me and her, you know, without, without mom. So that's scary in itself. Um, but, um, you know, we're sitting in the ER. She's two months old and, you know, they start shoving IVs in her arm and drawing blood and, you know, they, the catheter and the ultrasound and like no parent should have to watch their kid go through something like that. It's just so painful and you feel so helpless. And The reality is, is that the father had a son. He was his son, his child, whom he loved and he was well pleased. And that child whom was loved and had a father went through incredible pain and suffering for a purpose that you and I would be reconciled to him. This isn't a fairy tale. <laughs> This isn't a mythical story. This isn't just a religion. There was a real father. There is a real father with a real son in whom he had the affection of a father to a son and gave up that privilege to be the rescuer of that son for a little while so that the rest of his kids could come back home. It's crazy. That's why I'm a Christian because my father loves me and he proved it to me and there's not another thing he will ever have to do to remind me or prove it to me again because he already paid the highest price and so with every eye closed and head bowed I would love for us for a moment to reflect on this journey that Jesus went on our behalf if you could let your sanctified imagination go there and picture the father as he looked in his son in, in pain and in suffering. I know the feeling I felt this week. I just, I wanted to take the pain for him, for her. I wanted to 
give me the IV, draw my blood, whatever you got to do, just don't touch my baby. But he willfully gave his son, not because he's mean and cruel, it's because the joy set before him, the joy of having his kids back was so worth the journey. God, I just ask that you do something on the inside of us right now where, again, our hearts would burn within us and we'd understand that just as Paul had a purpose in going to Malta, God, that you had a purpose in coming to earth and that when you saw us, you said, ah, that's why I'm here. Ah, it makes sense now. The joy set before you, you endured the cross, scorning its shame. Here's the deal with every eye closed and head bowed. To enter into relationship with Jesus is incredibly easy. It's the easiest thing you ever do. It's free. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's that easy. So this morning, if there's anyone in this room that wants to enter into relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to lead you through that easy, easy process. And the truth is, is that Jesus comes in, he makes himself Lord of your life, which is great news. Because he forgives your sins. He gives you a a, a new creation experience, a born again experience where the old is gone and the new comes. New life. He becomes your defender. He's the one who works on your behalf. He's the one who covers your past, your present, and your future. When you simply believe in your heart and confess to your mouth that he's Lord, that's a good deal. But in this church, we know that something happens when we make an outward response for what God's doing on the inside of us. And so, again, not out of tradition or religion, but if that's something that you want to do today, you want to make Jesus Lord of your life and trust him to forgive your sins and get you on a new start, a a future to prosper you and not to harm you. If that's you, would you just, with eyes closed, head bowed, would you wave at me and just let me, we're about to pray. I just want to know who I'm praying with. There's something about an outward declaration of what God's doing on the inside that shifts something in you. Just give me a little wave. I just want to see who we're praying with this morning. Awesome. Beautiful. Just one more moment in His presence. It's the Spirit that draws you near. It's not persuasive speech. This isn't a sales pitch. God's doing something in your heart to draw you near. Awesome. Just one more opportunity. Just give me a wave. We're about to pray. I just want to know who I'm praying with today. Cool. We don't do this alone. We do this as family. So, church, would you pray with us as we pray? with those who are trusting God maybe for the first time with their lives. It's a big deal. and They need our support. They need our voices. They need our cheers. So church, would you repeat after me as we pray this? Father God, thank you for sending your son to die for my sins. And today I trust that you have forgiven me. And Lord, I ask that you would set my past my present, and my future anew. In Jesus' name, amen. Easy, awesome. Can we cheer? Yeah.
we're gonna we're gonna sing but cool thing is we do that pretty much every week and you'd think 52 times a year it would get old and repetitive but the coolest thing is is that I don't know about you but through my week I talk to people whose lives are actually changed <laughs> this is a real deal man these aren't just words this isn't a show this isn't just a service this is an environment where God himself connects with humanity in such a way that it changes us forever from the inside out and that's pretty cool <laughs> so we're going to Go back into singing. But God, as we go from here and as we sing, and I ask that you keep getting bigger in our hearts, that, that your love and your mission for us would continue to enlarge. And God, we ask that you give us the courage of Paul, that God, the storms and the snake bites and the setbacks and the sad days, Lord, that you would help us to be the people that own those moments and help us be the people that find mission wherever we are, that we would have a revelation and not just a reason for being here on earth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.